Revelation chapter 17, I have good news. This great harlot shall be overcome. The Lord of glory shall overcome all false religion. And his blood and righteousness shall be to the praise and the honor uh, made by his saints throughout eternity. We will delight in his free and sovereign grace throughout eternity. We will see whether in these eyes or in the end's eyes, we'll see the absolute, total, complete victory of the Lord Jesus Christ over all his enemies. He won that victory at the cross, and he will openly display that now and at the end. He continues to openly display that. Every time a lost sheep is found, he is openly displaying his victory. Every time someone is born again, he is openly displaying his victory at the cross. And the saints rejoice in that victory every time. We rejoice in God's people being saved. Well, in this passage of Scripture, it shares with us, and I'd just like to read down through uh, verse 8 of this uh, 17th chapter and look at some of the things that God has promised his people in this and a few other verses in this same chapter. We'll, we're going to jump ahead a little bit and come back and deal with that later. But it tells us in verse 1 that one of the seven angels, one of the seven angels, one of the seven pastors that we've just read about, which means this is a complete number of all God's preachers. And I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again. No place is without a pastor that God intended for them to have a pastor. No place is without a pastor. There is not one extra, nor is there one too few. Every place he intends his word to be preached today there is someone there. God will raise him up. And I've said this about our friend down in Central Point. There's only one reason in all the world that God would raise up one preacher there. There's some sheep. Dwayne and I were talking. It may be in 10 years that we'll see the results of that. It may not be today and it may not be tomorrow. There's a small gathering there, but it will happen. God will bring those sheep there that he intends to save. This one of the seven angels which had, <clears throat> had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me, come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. And last time we noticed that this uh, Babylon, as it's called down in verse 5, Mystery Babylon the Great, Babylon is the religion of man, the religion which uh, teaches salvation by works and man's hands and the power of man's will. That's Mystery Babylon. Now, not necessarily a specific group. We'll never say that. We don't want to say that. It has been said enough. 
but we can see the first time in all the world that this was expressed. And that was just outside the Garden of Eden when Cain brought, he didn't bring, I, I read this, uh, the sacrifice of Cain, it was not a sacrifice. Bringing vegetables is not a sacrifice. That's not a sacrifice. A sacrifice is what Abel brought. Someone lost their life. That's a sacrifice. This is just, they, he brought the zucchini. That's not a sacrifice. My goodness. <laughs> he should have brought them all. Oh, I'm teasing. I like zucchini. You, you folks have been dear to me, and you've taught me how to love it. About this big around. <laughs> but he brought, it wasn't a sacrifice. He did not bring a sacrifice. It was not a sacrifice for him to do that. Those plants are going to bring more. But it was a sacrifice for that lamb. It died. It was a substitute. It was a picture of Christ, our substitute. And that's why Abel brought that. He knew that he needed a substitute. Cain never realized that. Abel realized he was a sinner. Cain never realized that. Abel realized he needed help from God. Cain never realized that. Abel realized he needed the blood and righteousness of a perfect lamb of God. Cain never realized that. It was not in his realization. But all those things are what Abel realized. And it says here that this one set on many waters. And uh, we find in verse 15 that that's speaking about... Uh, uh, the waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Everywhere there are people. This great woman has been sitting. Man's religion. Uh, I saw a film the other day about Easter Island down there discovered on Easter Sunday. That's why they call it that. But those great monstrous carved out heads. That's no different than going down to Mecca. <laughs> Just no different. And the, the world is filled with religious relics. They're uncovering them in Thailand at, right now. They've been covered up for centuries. And now they're opening them back up. Go to Mexico. Go all over the world. There are religious relics all <coughs> over the world that testify to the fact that this woman has a theology, and that theology is man-centered, man-oriented, man-created, the, the, their own blood and their own righteousness, that is what is necessary, their own works. And every person is born into this religion, and everyone that is ever saved needs to be saved out of it. And that's what we're going to find, that this happens. It's a victory. God's going to win a victory over this, over the religion of this great whore. Verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made to drink of the wine of her fornication. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, we find that Israel was accused of this very thing, this fornication, spiritual fornication, choosing Baal over God, choosing Moloch over God, choosing this over God, choosing the... the uh, the gods that, uh, of the peoples that they overcame there in, in Canaan land. They went after that. And then God even had Moses make a brazen serpent. And what did they do with that? They worshipped it. This is just uh, common. 
uh, all over the world, and they are drunk with the wine of the fornication that choosing religion over God. And that's the best we can do in our natural state. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Oh, that's the names of blasphemy. Reverend, <laughs> there's one right up there at the top. The name of blasphemy. Holy and reverend is his name. I like, they call Peter, Peter, and Paul, Paul, just call me Norm. The names of blasphemy, all kinds of names of God associated. I, I go down, right downtown here, and there's a plaque that said, there's a man's name who is the potentate. Right here in town. He's the potentate. Now they got the chief potentate and the head potentate. And they're, depending on the class, whether it's the, the state or the district or the city, different potentates. But he is the blessed and only potentate. So we have the names of blasphemy all around us. They're just all taking the name of God and applying it to a man or a system. Verse 5, and upon her head, forehead was written, her name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and, Babel, and the abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wander. Now notice this qualifying remark. Those that shall wander, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is and is not and yet is. Now I don't know everything I read here about all that's in here, but I know this. Those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will follow this beast, will follow this religion, will follow it to the end. And they will not be altered or changed. The church is encouraged and comforted by the realization that this great harlot will be brought down to destruction. The church is encouraged by the mere fact, by the fact that God Almighty, by His Son, shall overcome and overpower and bring down to total destruction this harlot. Man's religion will not be something we will deal with in eternity. It will be removed. We will not deal with it. We'll not think about it. It will not be a problem. We may be faced with it on every side in our life today. Our friends may assault us on every side with what they believe about God and about the Bible. But that will not be an issue in glory. We may have these assaults. But that will not be an issue in glory. It will not be thought of. It will not be brought up. This total religion of man that was shared in the, outside the Garden of Eden and made into a religious organization at the Tower of Babel 
This will be totally done away with by the will of God. Even she is under the dominion of our great God and Savior. Today, man's religion is a servant of Almighty God. God's servant. He has allowed it. He has permitted it. He has purposed it. And we'll see in a few moments some verses of Scripture that share with us. And he will, it will be made to serve his purpose. Verses 16 and 17, it says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. Talk about victory. God is even going to use these things, religion, to fulfill his everlasting purpose. What's it say there? God hath put in their heart to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. This church, the church is encouraged to know that everything that God has created, everything that God has permitted, has fallen out because of God, and even this, this great harlot, has been allowed to flourish, to grow, to be around us, to be everywhere, and God has purposed it, and he is in control of it. As it says there, God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. Now, I have yet to find someone that has been born again that hasn't been in some kind of religion. We're just naturally born into it. It's just around us. Now, it may not be a recognized religion, and it may not even be in the books. You may not open the phone book and find that religion that we were in, but we had some idea about what is going to happen when we leave this earth. And the most common statement about it is, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'll be okay. That's the most common. And good deeds have a big have a grand part in man's religion. And then we find, by God's grace, he shares with us, by his grace, it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. He has snatched us out of the pit. He has brought us out of the religion. He has taken us from the harlot. He has removed us from the control. He has demonstrated in everyone that has ever been saved... He had victory at the cross. He is victorious over all enemies. And this enemy is in his sovereign control. Then we find that uh, the great harlot will have no influence on God's elect. I just found that very interesting. Now we're snatched out of it. But after we're saved. This harlot has no influence on us. Now, it may be influence on people around us, but no influence on us. Notice there in verses eight, verse 8, it says, The beast that thou sawest was and is, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, 
and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And then in verse uh, 14, it shares this. These shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. This great harlot, this great man's religion in all of its glory. Uh, you know, there's three statements that man's religion asks. Three questions. How big, how many, and how large? Guarantee it. Go somewhere, someone's going to ask you, how big's your church? Well, I like what Brother Mahan said. It's about 50 by 50. <laughs> no one gets the, the joke on that, though. I've used it before. <laughs> they just can't understand. 50 by 50. People measure Success by numbers. Religion measures success by numbers. How many? How large? How big? That's the questions that religion will ask. And you know what? When they find out, they say, you must not have much because we're bigger. The world is pretty big, isn't it? And it's only a handful out of the world that know the grace of God. And it's not because of them, but it's because of grace. That's the only reason. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Romans, chapter 13. Romans 13. <clears throat> the great harlot will have no influence on the church of God's elect. Though all the world follow man's religion... The elect of God cannot be deceived and cannot be destroyed. They cannot. He's promised it. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Oh, excuse me. Revelation chapter 13. <laughs> Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is the criteria. Who will worship the beast? All whose names are not written. Who shall follow the great harlot? All whose names are not written. What will happen to those whose names are written? Though it, if it were possible... That's what the scripture says. If it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. These, And we'll look at that verse in just a moment. But back up with me to Romans 11. Romans 11. Romans 11 and verse 29. If it were possible. Now, all those who named, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, the harlot has no power over. Now, the hundreds of thousands have been slain. But their eternal, everlasting destiny has not been altered by the great harlot. They may take, and Jesus talked about this, fear him not who can take your life. Fear him who can take your life and soul. Don't fear him who can take your life. 
That's just a manner in which God has appointed to present his people before his throne. It's a door that we go through, and many have that way. They've entered into glory that way. All right, Romans chapter 11, verse 29. The apostle Paul was led by the Holy Spirit and said, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God will not back up on his word. God is not an Indian giver. God will not quit on his word. Even though we sin, he will not give up on his people. All those that are written down in the Lamb's book of life, that Jesus Christ knew who he was dying for, he is not going to repent about what he has done for them. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And the church says, hallelujah, what would he do to God's people if he could repent from saving them? My goodness, we all know. There we go. We're ushered off. We can't keep it. Thank God he did keep it. He is keeping it. He will forever keep it. And so the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Babylon will prove to have been the servant of God to perform his will in the earth. This Babylon is God's servant. Turn with me, if you would, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. It is a victory. Whatever we read about, how terrible Babylon is, how it has gone, how far it has gone, how ingrained it is, how it is ingrained in the hearts and minds of people just born. It will lead them all along the path. They'll find some place to fit in with their religion. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd be stuck there. He's the one that changes our mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we find the Apostle Paul again, led by the Holy Spirit to write these things to the church at Corinth. 11.19, For there must be also heresies among you. What's that word? It means divisions. There must be heresies among you. But even in that, God is in control of it. He is in control of everything about this great harlot. He has her just like he has the devil on a chain, and it's a short lease. It is, they are God's dog, servant. It says there going on, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Those who are approved shall be made, uh, they shall be identified. I'm speaking to Brother Wayne down there, and he's had some friends leaving. He says, Norm, you were right. Those who were religious friends, those who you used to visit with, if all you want to talk about is Christ, then you're going to lose some friends. If you want to talk about religion, you've got a host of people. But if you want to visit about Christ and Christ's redemption and Christ's blood and Christ's righteousness and Christ's peace and Christ's joy and Christ's salvation, then you're going to lose some friends because they don't want to talk about those things. They want to talk about their religion and how efficient they are the job that they have in their religion. The job. Here we find the there must be heresies. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Again, Paul was used to write this. There was a lot of people that had heard some words, and they were on August 5th, 2010, the world's coming to an end. Maybe I should say August 3rd, 2010. Didn't happen. And some of the saints, they were caught off guard. Oh my goodness, we had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped. Didn't happen. Now what do we do? And Paul is writing to a group of people that seem to have fallen into that trap. Someone announced it didn't happen. Now, he says here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, is, a, is such a core to our faith, the coming of Christ the second time. It is the death of Christ. It is the burial of Christ. It is the resurrection of Christ. It is Christ coming the second time. They are such a core. They are such a part. They are, they are what God gives to his saints to anticipate with great glory and joy. By our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now this falling away, I had a preacher one time say, that meant that there had to be an escape of people from the earth to heaven. This word is means to apostatize. It doesn't mean to leave the earth. How people will use the Bible to prove their point erroneous this means to apostatize there's a falling away first it's happened in every generation my goodness in our generation it has happened a church that we had become somewhat familiar with has turned their backs on the sovereign grace of god and accepted you must be educated into the kingdom of heaven there's a falling away. Now, as a result of that, three or four other churches were started. We don't know the complete outcome of all of this, but there is continuously a falling away, and there is a continuous revelation, revealing of God's grace to God's people wherever they're found. Let no man deceive you by any means that that day will not come except there come a falling away first. Verse 4, who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Well, we've got a lot of statements about this as some special person. Paul says, know you not that you are the temple of God? What The worst thing that we have to deal with in our life is our own will. We have exalted it in our religious life to the highest position. It has become a God. And if you speak out against man's free will, you have desecrated the God of this world. Brother Wayne was sharing with me, he was listening to a message on tape. Now he, 
He heard about this guy. He just had to listen. He said, I listened to about a minute and had to shut him off. His opening prayer, God, have, would you have liberty with your word today? Oh, that we as men might allow you to do it. Would you have liberty with your word? May we as men allow you to do it. Now that's double speak. My goodness. Let's just leave it alone. May you have liberty with your word. May we get to see it. Because he is going to have liberty with his word. What's the Bible say? His word will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish that whereunto it was sent. We can't stop his word. People have tried and it just sprung up somewhere else. Goes on to tell us here, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him who's coming after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the truth of the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they shall believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. How victorious God is. What does he say? I have, God has, chosen you unto salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. God's people cannot be removed from this blessed position that God has established them in. Even the great harlot can't do it. The harlot, the great. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whereby, whether by word or by epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work Word and work. Going down through there, man, catastrophe, catastrophe, catastrophe. And then, oh, don't worry about it, folks. He has called you. He has chosen you. He's not going to let loose of you. This is going to come. It has come. It is coming. There's always going to be those who have a lie about God. They are servants of God. Heresy must come. It's going to just establish those who are and those who are not. It's going to show us the grain. It's going to leave the chaff. It's just going to do that. Who loves God's word and reads every bit of it? <laughs> well, that's a good point. Will you read Ephesians 1? Uh, no, never read it. Well, time to read it. <laughs> just some tests, just some tests. Four things for the comfort of our soul. And it's brought out here in Revelation. It's brought out here in 2 Thessalonians. 
and is brought out in Zephaniah and Nahum. The Lord God is sovereign over all things, even the great harlot. He's sovereign over all things. Comfort for the church. You mean this that's going on? You're over it? And the answer from heaven is yes. I raised it up that I might show my glory. What did he tell Pharaoh? For this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in you. The greatest fingers of that great harlot holding on to the worst of sinners. God has been victorious over. Saul of Tarsus said that about himself. God pried the great harlot's fingers off of his soul. Popularity is no indication of the will of God or the truth of God. Never has been, never will be. I don't know how many people I said, would you, ha would you go to a church where there were 12 people and the pastor of that church was hunted and hunted until they killed him? Well, of course not then you wouldn't have been in Jesus' group, would you? Twelve people. And the pastor is maligned, lied about, hunted, and killed. God's elect are secure at all times. Comfort to God's people. Even with the great harlot around, with its great illusions, great miracles. That's what the Bible says. It had lots of miracles. I don't know what that is. I have an idea, and I won't bring it tonight. Lord willing, I'll bring it next week. What that means. But a lot of signs and wonders captivating. And the Lord prized the fingers of that off the souls of his people. God's elect are secure. Romans 8, 28 through 39. The religion of the world will prove to be and has proved to be to God's people empty. That's one thing. God's people that have been saved, they just cannot go back. It is so empty and dry and frustrating and loathsome. It is loathsome. It becomes loathsome. How it could be captivating. We wonder. And yet we were captivated by the great harlot for so long. And Lord come along by his free and sovereign grace and quickens his people and brings them out of it. And they say, oh, that's so loathsome. I think the prodigal son for a while kind of enjoyed corn cobs. It appears to be that he ate corn cobs with the pigs. And then it says he came to himself and says, What am I doing? This is loathsome. This is terrible. The food I'm eating is terrible. Well, that's why God's people can't go back. Now, if they go back, if they go back, they never were to begin with. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 24, 24. The victory that God has for his people. 
Matthew 24. This is, was around in the days of Cain. This is around in the days of, of Isaiah and Ezekiel. Around in the days of Malachi and Micah. Around in the days of Matthew and Mark and Luke. Paul. The centuries between Paul and today. This has all been around. It's still. It may be dressed different, but it's still the same. It may sound different. The vocalization may be different but still they cannot say that secret word <laughs> grace grace all of grace sovereign grace free grace there's always some works that look at here Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24 it says for there shall arise false Christs now my translation has that capitalized <laughs> false Christs Messiahs, false messiahs. Now it's not just Reverend Moon. It's people who have a lie on God. False messiahs, promises, making promises they cannot keep with words they don't understand. This, the, the worst doctrine in the world is once saved, always saved if you're an Armenian. That's the worst doctrine in the world. It's no wonder that there's some of them said, well, we're going to have to think about that a little longer, and we're not sure about that. They're at least honest about it. If you can will yourself into it, you can will yourself out of it. It depends on who saves you. All right, there are, shall be fault, arise false Christ and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible... They shall deceive the very elect. God's elect are secure at all times. One other verse, it has this, almost the same, but there's a different word in it, and that's over in Mark 13. Mark 13. Good news. When God saves his people, he will present them spotless. When God saves his people, they will be with him. Mark 13, verse 22. It says here, For false Christs and false prophets shall arise and shall signs and show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Now they're able, the non-elect. They're able, those whose names are not written in the book of life. And we can find ourselves in there. If it hadn't been for God, we would have been there. We'd have been caught up in it. We'd have agreed with it. The difference is God's grace, God's purpose, God's uh, salvation in Christ. That's the difference, and that's the only difference. So if it, if it were possible, to see it's so enticing that if it were possible, it could it would deceive the very elect, but it's not possible. It's not up to our intellect to keep us. That's what he's saying. It's not up to our smarts to stay straight. It's not up to our power. It's up to his power. With us, it would be impossible. All right? So this great harlot, under God's control, purposed by God, 
from the foundation of the world to do what she's doing. Heresies must come. It's going to just expose the good, reveal the bad. If they were of us, they would have continued with us. They've just demonstrated that they're not of us. doesn't mean that they're just attending here. It means they're with God. That's what it's talking about. So there's a difference. The wheat falls to the ground. The chaff is carried off by the same wind. Great harlot. And as we look at this, we're going to move on in that chapter. We'll see what God's purpose for it is. It is going to be judged. Great harlot going to be judged. Man's religion will be judged. Condemnation will fall on those without Christ. Promotion will be given to those who are in the body of Christ. We'll stop there tonight and we'll pick this up.